Miss Linda said it wouldn't fire that I get to take my mask off, but I have scripture for it. <laughs> the Bible says you're not supposed to muzzle the ox. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles, if you would please, this morning to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter this morning. This is not uh, the message that I had planned to preach uh, this morning, and uh, normally I like to get early, done early in the week if God will let me, and I like to study and meditate and pray and search and and get ready for the upcoming weekend, Uh, and I did that this week, but uh, the Lord woke me up this morning about three o'clock with other thoughts. And does that mean the Lord didn't know what He was doing? No, like I said, this wasn't the message I was going to preach. Uh, so sometimes they're ours, Brother Mark, and uh, then sometimes the Lord intervenes and uh, He never changes His mind. He knows what He wants, but uh, sometimes it takes us a while to, uh, to figure it out. Amen. Romans 8, verse 28 this morning, And the Bible said, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercessions for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you and be seated. Our Father, we come this morning, and uh, Lord, we seek to, Lord, to preach what you want us to today, and uh, Lord, to just be an instrument in your hands that you can use to do whatever, Lord, that you might want to do today, and say whatever you might want to say, uh, Lord, through these lips. And uh, Father, we do pray for all, Lord, that is listening today here in front of us, or online, or out in the parking lot, or Lord, uh, later on by CD. Uh, Whatever way, Lord, we pray that God would uh, take His Word and uh, bless and help the people. We pray for the lost today, uh, that, Lord, they would realize the urgency of the hour. And, Lord, we pray today for those that are 
saved that, Lord, you'll draw us near to you today and comfort and encourage us today in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Paul writing in 2 Timothy uh, about uh, a day that was coming. And uh, he told Timothy, he said, Preach the word, be instant in season, reprove, rebuke, and resort with all uh, long-suffering and doctrine. Uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own selves shall heap themselves teacher having itching ears. That's what Paul said to do, told Timothy to do, that's what he told a young preacher to do, seeing what was, uh, what was coming. But over in the book of Hebrews, we're already there. And he said, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see that day approaching. Uh, it's, always, uh, it's always the Lord's will that we preach the word. It's always the Lord's will that we reprove and rebuke and exhort. But it seems like in the writing to the Hebrews, it seems like that the Lord uh, tells uh, those that would be nearing the appearing of Christ, uh, it seemed like he, would be tell, he tells them to be encouraging uh, and exhorting one another uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. And uh, the reason he's saying that, he's talking about the believers, those that know the Lord, is because uh, the last days will be discouraging days and we need encouragement and exhorting uh, to keep on keeping on for the Lord. I read Romans 8 this morning, a portion of it this morning, and uh, let me say this, you might want to write, if you write in your Bible, you might want to write this up at the head of the Bible there on a piece of paper, but knowing what we've read here, you might write there, there may be times I don't understand this. There may be times I don't understand this. Number two, there may be times I cannot explain this. I cannot explain this. But may there never be a time I do not believe this. I do not believe this. I want us to look this morning at some things that Paul said we know. We know. Those of us that are saved, he's talking about people that know the Lord, people that are saved, people that have been called, people that have been justified, and people that will one day be glorified. Paul's talking to those that know that they know that they know. Like my sister Sheila said there, that she knew that her name was in the record book. And uh, I hope that you know that this morning. I do want to tell you, you can know that. Uh, the Bible said these things were written that you may know uh, that your name is written there. Now, I may say this this morning, that you'll never know if you don't believe the Word of God. Uh, if you're seeking to know in any other way as a bottom line than the Word of God, you'll never know. But if you can believe what God's Word says, uh, you can know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Paul said here that we know, we know. Now, I want to pick out three things out of the Scripture this morning that Paul said that we know. First of all, Paul said there in verse 
29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed unto the image of his Son. Let me say first of all this morning that we know, we know those of us that are saved, uh, we know this morning that we are being conformed uh, to the image of God's Son. Uh, uh, you might look at us when we first got saved. Uh, uh, I suppose many years like me, uh, growing up and back then, uh, about every kid had a can or two of Play-Doh. And uh, you'd get that Play-Doh out and... Uh, uh, you know, you it'd just be a it'd just be a just a big wad of play-doh, uh, but you could begin to form it and mash on it in certain ways and apply pressure in certain ways, uh, and uh, you could conform it into looking like other things. I had a cousin; he's dead now, but I had a cousin uh, who was very skillful in that, uh, and uh, he'd make all these little animals and everything out of play-doh. And I mean, uh, he'd take just a water Play-Doh and when he'd get done, it'd look like an elephant or a dog or something like that. Uh, he knew just where to apply the pressure, just where to cut off some of the extra, uh, just where that he needed to press in a little bit. Uh, he knew what he needed to do to make that thing conform uh, to what he was wanting it to conform to. Well, can I tell you this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, He knows what He wants us to end up looking like. When we started out, all we was was a hunk of clay, if you will. Uh, but He's the potter, and He took that hunk of clay, uh, and He starts with that hunk of clay over here, uh, and He knows that He wants it to look like that vessel when He gets over there. He knows just where to apply the pressure he knows just where to cut off the extra. He knows just where uh, to press a little bit harder. Uh, uh, he knows how to make us conform. Now I have heard uh, uh, people explain this scripture like a woman making a cake. Uh, and they said that cake has flour. That cake has eggs. Uh, uh, that cake has milk. Uh, uh, that cake has uh, maybe uh, some other things, some sugar. Uh, and uh, if you take any one of them by themselves, uh, uh, they're not very good. Uh, uh, but if you mix them all together uh, uh, and get it all together, uh, uh, the finished product is good. Uh, now some people misunderstand what God said. He said, we know that all things work together for good. Now please don't misread that like so many do and say that all things are good. All things are not good. Cancer's not good. Diabetes is not good. COVID is not good. There's a lot of things in the world that is not good. But the Bible says that God, He knows how to take the things that are not good and to work them and make good come out of them. That's what the Lord does. But we have a we have a better illustration than a box of cake mix. We have one in the Word of God. And uh, we can go over and no life illustrates this any better than the life of Joseph. Uh, uh, when we look over at Joseph in Genesis 37 and we find that Joseph was beloved uh, of his father. We know Joseph is so much like Jesus. Uh, Arthur Pink says that he's like Jesus in at least 150 ways uh, and probably more. Uh, 
Uh, but when we read about him there, we read that he was beloved of his father. Uh, uh, in other words, his father had a special love for him. Uh, the Bible says that God has a special love for his son. Uh, he said, this is my beloved son. Uh, in other words, God loved him in a special way. Uh, Jacob was loved of his father, but he was hated by his own brothers. Uh, like the Lord. Uh, the Lord, the Bible said that Jesus came into his own uh, and his own uh, received him not. Uh, and so we have God starting to work uh, in the life of Joseph. Uh, it starts out, it don't look like it's going to be very good. Uh, it starts out and his brothers hate him. Uh, well, to make matters worse, his brothers hated him so bad uh, that when they, his father sent him out to tend to the sheep and they didn't return, uh, uh, in chapter 37, he sent Joseph out after him. Uh, and uh, Joseph was so hated of his brethren uh, uh, that they betrayed him, uh, just like just like they betrayed Jesus. Uh, uh, his own kin betrayed Jesus, uh, and Joseph's own brothers betrayed him. Uh, uh, you say, what they do? Well, they hated him so bad they were going to put him down in a pit. Uh, just like Jesus' brothers hated him so bad that they nailed him to a cross. Uh, amen. Uh, and so they betrayed him. Uh, and they was going to throw him in a pit, but one brother had a little more sympathy. And one brother said, uh, uh, there's a band of Islamites coming this way. Why don't we just sell him to them? Uh, and so they sold Joseph to uh, uh, the Islamites. Uh, uh, so number one, it starts out, his brother betrays him. Uh, uh, number two, uh, 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 number two, uh, uh, Pharaoh bought him. Pharaoh bought him. Uh, he was sold to the Midianites, uh, and then to make matters worse, uh, Pharaoh bought him uh, uh, that he might become a slave uh, in his own palace. Uh, uh, well, things just keep getting worse. Uh, uh, but now all the time they're getting worse. All the time they ain't making no sense. All the time uh, uh, Joseph doesn't know how this is going to end up. Uh, uh, he don't know what's going to happen in the end. Uh, uh, but all the time all this stuff is going on. Uh, God is at work. Uh, God is at work. A uh, uh, friend of mine, don't never ever, don't never ever doubt that the God that saved you uh, is not at work in your life. Uh, even though you can't understand it, even though you can't explain it, neighbor, believe it. Uh, uh, God is at work in your life. Uh, you say, what's he doing? God is going to bring some good uh, uh, out of the bad uh, uh, that's uh, going on in your life. Uh, and to make matters worse, uh, uh, Pharaoh's wife, who was probably the most beautiful woman in the whole uh, whole kingdom. Uh, you say, why? Because he could have anybody he wanted. Uh, and uh, I just can't see him picking no ugly wife. Amen. Uh, he could have the prettiest one he wanted. Uh, and that would even make her more desirable, more desirable uh, to uh, Joseph uh, 
and to make it even worse, uh, uh, she has an eye for Joseph, uh, and uh, she's uh, flirting with Joseph, uh, and she's after Joseph, uh, and she wants Joseph to lie with her, uh, and she gets so desperate one day uh, that the Bible said she caught him uh, as he went into the house to do business. Uh, uh, she caught him by his shirt, uh, and he was such a man of character. He was such a man of God uh, that even though she was beautiful, even though she caught him by his shirt, uh, he just got out of that shirt and left it with her uh, and he ran away. Amen. Uh, he lost his shirt but he maintained his integrity and character. Amen. Uh, uh, well, to make matters worse, uh, it even gets worse. Uh, uh, she goes in there and she tells... Uh, uh, she tells Pharaoh, uh, uh, Joseph has tried uh, uh, to rape me, to molest me, uh, and Pharaoh has him took uh, and put in the prison. Uh, and there he is in prison. Uh, and all the time, it's looking bad. Uh, and all the time, Joseph don't know where these things are hidden. Uh, and all the time, God uh, uh, is a working the bad uh, uh, for a good outcome. Amen. Uh, let me just stop here and say, friend of mine, uh, there may be a lot of bad going on, uh, uh, but God is going to have a good outcome. Amen. Uh, uh, well, the Bible said he got in prison, uh, and he got in prison, and he got down there after after his brothers betrayed him, uh, uh, after that Potiphar bought him, uh, he got down there in the prison, and a baker, a baker uh, mistreated him. You say, why? The baker dreamed a dream. And Joseph told the baker what was going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. And he only asked one thing, that's not too much to ask. Uh, if somebody reveals to you uh, something you need to know, and he asked one thing, uh, he, said, he said, listen, the only thing I asked you uh, is that you will remember Joseph. Uh, and the Bible said that old butler got out. Uh, uh, he got his blessing. Uh, uh, that old baker got out. He got his blessing. He got what he wanted. Uh, and like so many do, uh, he forgot about Joseph. Uh, isn't that the way a lot of people do? They get what they want. They get their prayer answered. God intervenes. God moves. God takes care of something. Uh, and they say, God, if you'll do this for me, uh, I never will. I never will fail you again, Lord. I, I never will let you down again. Uh, uh, but when they get out of the hospital, uh, when they get out of the debt, when they get out of uh, losing their job, uh, many times, not all the time, but many times, uh, uh, they forget get about Jesus. And uh, there he is. Boy, he's got reason to be down. He's got reason to be upset. Uh, uh, he's been uh, wrongly misjudged, wrongly in prison, wrongly uh, lied about, and wrongly forgotten. Uh, uh, but while all this gets worse and worse and worse, uh, uh, God's uh, working that dough for good. Uh, uh, God is going to bring something out of it when he gets done. Uh, and so time goes on, uh, and the baker had lied about him. The baker forgot about him, I should say. Uh, uh, but sometime 
passed. We don't know exactly how much time passed. Uh, uh, but there was a baker and a butler in there. Uh, and he revealed dreams for both of them. Uh, and there come a day uh, uh, when the butler was gone to get out. And the butler did get out. Uh, and the butler got there before Pharaoh. Uh, and the Bible says in verse 9 uh, of chapter 41, the Bible said, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do uh, this day remember my faults. Uh, Pharaoh was wrought with his servants and put him in the ward and the captain of the guard's house and he said, uh, both me and the chief baker and uh, we dreamed a dream in one night and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of the dream and there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew servant. Uh, now we don't know how much time has passed. Jacob uh, Joseph said nothing but bad all the time. Uh, everything's looking bad, worse all the time. Uh, but there came a day uh, uh, when that the butler uh, remembered Joseph. Uh, now let me ask you something. Uh, who do you think it was uh, uh, that stirred up his mind uh, uh, to remember Joseph? Uh, I promise you uh, uh, that butler didn't care nothing about Joseph. Uh, uh, that butler just only cared about saving his own self. Uh, uh, but there is a God in heaven uh, and that God in heaven can make people think things and remember things and do things uh, uh, that they have no idea why they're doing it. Uh, uh, but God now, uh, he's working this thing for good. Uh, uh, well, you know the story uh, Brother Noble preached it to us a few weeks ago, but how that uh, how that Joseph got out, uh, verse forty one through verse forty three, it says that Joseph was made to ride in the second chariot. Uh, in other words, he's only one below Pharaoh. Uh, uh, he's almost as high as you can go. Uh, here's a man that was in the pit. Uh, here's a man that did got done wrong in the palace. Uh, here's a man. Uh, uh, here's a man that was put in prison. Uh, uh, but now he's out of the pit. He's out of the palace. He's out of the prison, uh, and he gets brought back. Uh, and now he's made second in command. Uh, uh, you say what's happening? God's working this thing for good. Amen. Uh, uh, you know how it goes. Uh, his brothers come back. His father comes back. All of his family's reunited in the end. Uh, but Joseph didn't know none of this was going to happen. Uh, you say, how did he learn it? Same way you and I do, little by little. One thing enfolding into another thing. Uh, and all at once that thing that was just a big uh, hunk of clay that made no sense whatsoever. There comes a point in our life where we start to see that thing taking shape. Uh, and we start to realize God is a working. God is a doing something. Uh, and so we come all the way over to the last chapter of Genesis. Uh, and here's what he said. Uh, uh, the baker, he, uh, he, he forgot him. Uh, uh, the butler, he didn't do right for a while. He finally remembered him. Uh, but we get all the way to the end, uh, and it says, but God. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, you know why that this thing turned out the way it turned out? Uh, uh, because there was a God uh, uh, that works all things together for good uh, uh, to them that love the Lord. Uh, 
We read over there that he's trying to conform us into the image of his dear son. By the time we get to Genesis 50, you won't find another character in the Old Testament that looks any more like Jesus than Joseph does. Amen. The Bible said, he said, he said, you meant it for evil. There's a lot of stuff goes on in this world, folks, that's meant to evil to us believers. You better, you better believe that. There is people that hate the church. There's people that hate preachers and Christians and anybody that serves God. And Jesus said, they hated me, and if you love me, they will hate you. And I want you to know that they mean a lot of stuff they're doing. They mean it for evil. But God, we've got a God that's working. He's working all things together for good. We, we know that we are being conformed. I don't know how long you've been saved, but you ought to look more like Jesus this morning than you did the day you got saved. Because God is a conforming us into His image. Amen. Not only are we being conformed, we know that we are being conformed but look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, even who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercessions for us. We know that we're being conformed. We know, we know, thank God, that we cannot be condemned. Glory to God. We that are saved cannot be condemned. You say, why is that, Brother Rick? It's right there in the scripture. Number one, verse 31, God is for us. God is for us. You ought to, you ought to say that either out or in your mind. You ought to say that this morning. God is for me. Years ago, I pastored a little church, about 14 people, a little General Baptist church. And God led me to start this work. They wanted me to be pastor there. And it was a real struggle. I prayed about it and sought God in it. And, uh, and God let me, led me to start this church. You say, where's that church at? It's not there anymore. I think I made the right choice. I think I did what God wanted me to do. But one of the deacons there, he got upset because I wasn't going to take the church and I was going to leave and start my own church. And he had us over for supper and his wife quickly ushered my wife back into the kitchen. And then I'm just a young upstart of a preacher. And he sat down across from me and he said, you're, not doing, you're messing up what you're doing. He said, we had another preacher that did that several years ago and he never preached another sermon since. Do you know what a... 60-some-year-old man telling a 20-year-old a young preacher those words. Do you know what it does? It scares the living daylights out of you. Amen. But I never will forget him saying this. He said, we can't do nothing because everybody's against us. And this was God, I know, because I didn't even know enough Bible to even be preaching really, I guess. But I said, sir, the Bible said, if God be for you, who can be against you? 
God be for you, who can be against you? We know that we will not be condemned because God is for us. Look at the first verse of chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation. Glory. Amen. There is no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm glad that, thank God, that I know that God is for me. Amen. He's for me. I'll tell you something else it says here. Not only is God for me, but he said he gives us all things. God gives us all things. Now here's an amazing, powerful statement in the Word of God. I made it 25 years ago or, or longer preaching, and I made it, and at the time I made it, sometimes, Brother Mark, a preacher says stuff, and I, everything he says, you know, we want to be good, but sometimes, Brother Sammy, a preacher says something, and he knows that God has anointed that particular thing he said. You don't forget it. Most of what I say, I forget. But there's a handful of things that I've said over the years that was given to me of God. He freely gives us all things. Was given to me of God in the moment I said it. I knew it wasn't Rick Prophet. I knew it was God speaking. We got in the car that night, me and my a young preacher's wife, we got in the car that night and closed the door and started home. And she said, you said something that really helped me tonight. You said something that really moved me tonight. You said something that made a whole lot of sense to me tonight. And I said, what was it? What did I say? And she said, you said, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? She said, you said if God started out uh, giving us the very best thing there is up there, uh, if God started out giving us his only begotten son, uh, uh, the precious Lamb of God, uh, if God started out giving us his only begotten son, uh, if God started out giving us the very best, uh, why would God withhold anything else we need? Amen. We know that we're not going to be condemned. God's for us. He's already gave the best. And then he said, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth, and it is he that condemns. There's only one person that can condemn me to the point it makes any difference. Now you can condemn me this morning. You can say I don't like your preaching. I don't like your style. Don't like your loud hollering. I don't like this or I don't like that. That don't mount to a hill of beans. Because there's only one that can condemn me that would make any difference whatsoever in my walk with God, my faith, my spiritual outcome. There's only one that could do that. And the Bible said he's not going to. Glory to God. He said, they can't condemn you because they didn't die for you. Only one person died for you and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're not going to be condemned, Brother Greg, because God is for us. We're not going to be condemned because God gives us all things that we need. We're not going to be condemned because 34 says, verse 34 said, He's a praying for us. The Bible said He makes intercessions for us, the church. Amen. God is praying for the church. How do you know the church is going to make it? Because God's a praying for us. Amen. How do you know the church is going to make it? Because uh, uh, the devil can't condemn any one of us. Amen. Uh, uh, the Bible has already said that we are not going to be, the Bible doesn't say that uh, somewhere out there we're going to be, but the Bible says right now, this present moment, we are justified. You know what that word justified means? Just as if you never sinned. Amen. When God looks at us through His Son, now we know we all do sin. We, all, we know we all do sin a bunch. But the Bible said God's not going to lay that to our charge. God's not going to put that over here where our record name is in the record book. God's not going to blot that out. You say, why? Because we've been saved. And because that we've been saved, God's not going to condemn us. Amen. I thank God for that. He's praying for us. We often think of that, you know, as He's praying for me. And I'm sure He does, but we're all a part of a body. And I believe when the Lord prays, he prays for that body. Amen. He prays for the whole church. What might we need Him to pray at a time like this? We need Him to pray for our faith not to fail. Like He did Peter. He said, I prayed for thee that thy faith faileth not. We might need Him to pray that we could get understanding to pray, that we could love one another during this, uh, during this time, during all of this. Uh, I tell you, these are some pretty good things to know anytime, and they're real good to know during a worldwide pandemic. We know we're being conformed into this image. Now, I don't know what gods are doing with that lost world out there concerning this pandemic, I don't know what God's doing concerning the church. He's conforming us more to His image. We're getting mashed on some places we hadn't got mashed on before. We're getting a little pressure applied where it's not been applied before. But all the time, God, uh, He knows what the outcome's going to be. He's looking at his son and saying, this is what I want it to turn out to look like. Number one, we know that we're being conformed. Number two, we know that we will not be condemned. Number three, we know that we're more than conquerors. He said there in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? Anybody had any distress lately? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? 
Anybody had any tribulation lately? Famine and nakedness, peril, the sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Wait a minute. Don't picture yourself as a sheep heading down the marketplace and going down the plank and you're fitting, fixing to get killed. I read that that way for a long time. I read that uh, many, many years uh, and I thought of us as just going along waiting for something bad to happen to kill us. But notice what God said. Paul said, Nay! That means no. Paul says no. That's a quote from Psalms 44.22. Uh, that verse about uh, uh, being like a sheep headed for the slaughter. And, and you read the surroundings about it. And that's a quote from there. But right here Paul says we got something better. Right here we got something better. He said nay. For in all things we are more than conquerors to him. We're already cockers. I preached a few weeks ago about when winning looks like losing. But I want you to know something. We're cockers this morning. Already. You say, I know we will be when we get to heaven. We already are. We already are. You say, how can that be, Brother Rick? Because number one, no storm can stop us. They may hinder us. They may scare the daylights out of us. They may frighten us to our wits end. But if we've been saved by the grace of God, we got God that's for us living inside of us, God that's a praying for us, God that's a giving us all things, no storm can stop us. You said Bible, please? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The Bible said in Mark 4, and the same day when evening was come, He saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent the multitude away, they took Him even as He was in the ship, and there was also with Him other little ships, and there arose a great storm, big storm, dark storm, great storm. And the Bible said, And the wind blew, and the waves beat upon the ship. Has anybody felt lately like the waves are beating on the ship? Has anyone felt lately like we're in the middle of a great storm? And the Bible said that the wind blew, the waves beat upon the ship, and it was now full. Somebody said, I've had about all I can take. You're just about full. You ain't full. You're just about full. You say, why do you say I'm not full? Because before you get full, he's going to wake up. The Bible said he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow, and they wake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Did the storm stop them? Did they make it to the other side? 
Glory, glory, glory. We may have storms. We may get stopped. We may feel like we're almost full. But we are going to the other side. The storms can't stop us. They can't stop us. Ephesians 2 and verse 1 on down through about verse 12, verse 13. They tell us of our state before we got saved. We were dead in trespasses and sin. We followed the course of this world. The spirit of this world worketh in us disobedience. But verse 4 said, But God, who was rich, God stepped in. God stepped in our life. And here's what He done. He said, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherein He loved us, even when He was dead in sins, He hath quickened us, made us alive, saved us, born again, uh, made quicken us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Watch verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us set together in heaven. Don't miss it, friend. He didn't say He's going to do that. He said He hath raised us up. He hath raised us up together and made us set together in heaven. You say, preacher, I'm not in heaven. No, not yet. Your head's up there. Your body's still hanging down here. But you know what Jesus is doing right now? According to the Bible, He's sitting at the right hand of God. And if He's in me and I'm in Him, if He's sitting, I must be sitting. I'm already seated in heaven. Somebody said, I hope I go to heaven. I'm already there. Just waiting for my body to catch up with my head. Amen. You say, Brother Rick, how come nothing can separate us from the love of God? Because we have a personal lawyer. 1 John 2 says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the perpetuation for our sin. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And we do know that we know Him. We just keep His commandments. What's that saying to us right there? That's saying that you and I, every one of us, we've got our own personal lawyer. That's what that word advocate means. we got somebody to defend us. Now, now I grant you, if the devil could, when you sin, he would separate you from God's love. If the devil could, when a storm came in your life, he'd separate you from God's love. But you see, every time he tries to bring that old case to court, my lawyer stands up and he said, we done settled this out court. You can't try the man again. I've already pardoned him. It's already settled out of court. Amen. God's give us a personal lawyer. God has a purpose for you and me. 
And that purpose cannot be completed without God doing His purpose. You say, what's His purpose? 1 John 3 and verse 8, the Bible said, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. That happened at Calvary. It's going to be fulfilled in the end of the world. Number three, the Bible says, verse 9 of that same chapter, Whosoever is born of God. Are you born of God? Whosoever is saved, whosoever is born of God, doeth not commit sin. You'll say, preacher, I sin. I know you do. But He don't condemn you. He don't put it on your account. Remember that? You say, how can that be? For His seed remaineth in Him. And he cannot sin. Now brother, I can sin all day long. Sideways, upside down, backwards and every other way. My flesh. But there's a part of me that got born again. It cannot sin. His seed remains inside of me. And there's a part of me, my soul if you will, it cannot sin. My flesh is not going to heaven. My soul is. That's why I don't put anything to the charge of our account. Amen. Amen. Alright, let me give you this last thing. I'm talking about why nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, not nakedness, not peril of the sword. Do you believe what you just read? I didn't say you'd feel like you was loved, but I said you will be, and nothing will separate you from it. You said we're more than conquerors through Him. And I'm persuaded that neither death, death. See, tomorrow we'll have Rodney's funeral. And uh, Brother Caleb and Sister Renee, death has come and death has took his presence out of this world. And uh, tomorrow about 1 o'clock, you'll pl- place that bodily, that body, that form, that, that, that person, you'll place it in a grave. You'll place it in a grave. But you know what? Death may come and it may take Ronnie. But it can't take the love out of your heart. It can't take the love out of your heart, Brother Caleb. Death may come and take your loved one, take your person, but love is as strong as death, the Bible says. Song of Solomon says love is as strong as death. It can hold. It might take the body, but it can retain. It can hold the memory and the love. The Bible says in Hebrews, the Bible said, and and the Bible said, whose voice then shook the earth. Talking about God. But now He hath promised saying yet once more, I shake not the earth, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of all things 
that are shaken as of things that are made. In other words, everything man has made, everything man has done, it can be and it will be and it is even now being shaken. But the Bible said that those things are shaken, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Amen. I know, I know this morning that God's conforming the church and conforming me. Amen. I, I know this morning that there's no condemnation to me. Not that condemnation I felt before I got saved. I've never felt that again. Never will. That's why some of you can't never get Get it right with God because you got saved somewhere back there and you're coming to this altar trying to feel like you felt back there and you can't feel like you felt back there because there's no condemnation now to those that are in Christ. The things that can be shaken will be no condemnation. And this morning, we're already, already, more than conquerors through him that loved us. The battle's already won. Christ has already won the battle on the cross. Amen. Three things you need to know this morning and keep in mind. Keep close in mind. Whatever happens, God's a conforming. God is not going to condemn you. And you are already more than a conqueror through Him that loved you. Father, I thank you this morning. I hope that's what you